0: You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and the skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to The Boutique with Collective 54, a podcast for founders and leaders of boutique professional services firms. For those that aren't familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community to help you grow, scale, and exit your firm bigger and faster. My name is Greg Alexander and I'm the founder and I'll be your host today. And on this episode, we're going to talk about ownership structure, the right one, how to split up equity and all of the associated challenges with that. And the reason why members should care about this topic is because converting income into wealth is how boutique founders realize their dreams. Generating a high W-2 or K-1 is easy. Most of our founders are exceptional people and generating high incomes has not been a challenge for them. However, building a large balance sheet is hard. Net worth trumps net income. And net worth is generated from ownership. We want to make sure that our scaling activities by producing lots of personal net worth and wealth for our founders And sometimes that requires sharing equity with others that can help grow the pie, so to speak. So therefore, the right ownership structure is so important. So we have a role model today, Kelsey Raymond. And Kelsey is uh, an expert on this, and she's someone who has created wealth for herself and converted income into wealth. She built an amazing business. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about her journey and how she pulled this off, because so many of us are trying to do it. So... Kelsey, welcome to the show, and uh, please introduce yourself.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Um, as you said, my name is Kelsey Raymond. I'm the CEO and founder of Influence & Co., which is a content marketing agency. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it for about 10 years and have learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes along the way, so hopefully others can learn from some of those.
0: Okay, great. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about equity and equity splits, and as I understand it, but I'm sure there's more to the story, that uh, you have a COO, I believe her mm-hmm. name is Alyssa, and uh, she's been pretty important to you, and and you have uh, shared some wealth with her, as I understand it, she's a, an equity owner in your firm. Um, tell us a little bit about how that evolved over time and, and why you decided to go that route.
1: Absolutely. So the first iteration of this from the beginning of the company, since we started turning a profit, my former co-founder and I decided that it was important to align incentives with the whole team. So we, from the day that we started turning a profit, we allocated 10% of the company's profit for a profit sharing pool Mm. to pay back to the rest of the team. This was always, you know, communicated as this is at our discretion. If we have a really bad quarter, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, don't count on it. Don't go plan to, you know, put a pool in the ground or anything like that. <laughs> but, um, but so from there, that was a way that you know, even as a small team of 12 people, we had this profit sharing pool and everyone got different amounts determined by their role, their seniority, their performance, and it was paid out on a quarterly basis. Hmm. Alyssa was our first ever full-time employee. So she's been here since day one. Hmm. I very much consider her, you know, an unofficial co-founder from the beginning. Hmm. Um, So, as that, her profit sharing amount was always the highest or on the higher end of everyone else on the team. And over time, we saw that one way to really show her how much we valued her was to give her a guaranteed amount for that. So it changed from, hey, you're going to get some percentage to, you know, we're allocating 10% for the whole team. 2% 2% is just for you. Hmm. So you know, every quarter you're going to be getting 2% of the profits. But at that time, it wasn't equity. It was really, I think most people would call it like phantom stock. Hmm. So if she chose to let, leave the company, that was gonna go away. So I, I share this that is kind of a, an evolution over time of both Alyssa's role changing in the organization and really, you know, her stepping up more and more. I wanted to tie her in more and more as her role changed. So once she became the COO, I really, you know, and my co-founder left. So that's a whole other story there. <laughs> but I really, um, you know, really saw that, it would make sense for her to have some true equity. And one of the reasons for that is that we were having conversations that we were open to the idea of selling the business at some point. And based on her the profit sharing structure that she had, she wouldn't have been included in any exit, any sale. Mm-hmm. And so went to her and said, you know, I really would like for you to come in as an equity partner. You know, up until this point, we've just we've given you this two percent. If you want to buy in at you know up to five percent, I'd like to welcome you to do that. And the way that we structured it is that we only um, asked her to pay twenty percent of that purchase price for the equity that she was buying up front, and then the rest was paid out of the um, proceeds of her distributions. Hmm. So that really allowed for her to have true equity in the company without having to come up with a bunch of money up front, um, but still having some skin in the game since you know, I had brought a, a lot to the table when we had got the loan and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the evolution over time. Um, and then we actually did end up selling February fourth. Um Melissa and I are still running the company, so it's an interesting structure. Um, but with that, you know her her return on what she invested to become a true equity partner, she said, you know, the best investment she's ever made times a thousand. Um, so it all it's all worked out really well. And it made me really happy that, you know, that opportunity that made me more wealth with selling that business, that she was really included in that because she's been so key and so integral to the organization.
0: Yeah. Well, so first off, congratulations on your sale. We're very proud of Thank you. you. And, and I hope it was everything you, you dreamed it to be. But I, I will say I'm glad you're still running the shop. Yeah. And and it sounds like you're going to go on a journey. Did you sell it to a private equity firm?
1: We did. We did. Um, it's an interesting interesting structure, which I think is probably pretty standard that, you know, part of the value is in cash up front, but then part of it's an over an earnout and part of it is in rolled equity. Yep. And so that's where, you know, Alyssa's still included in that as well. Yep. So that's, you know, rolling that into hopefully something a bigger pie in the future. Yeah.
0: So your incentives remain to be aligned and hopefully the mm-hmm. second bite of the apple is even bigger than the first bite of the apple, as they like to say. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so I, I loved the story on how it evolved over time and the vision that you had from the get-go of aligning incentives and setting aside this profit-sharing pool. And then when you decided that this one individual was worth buying in and having real equity, coming up with a creative creative financial structure to make that happen. Because sometimes when, when members try to do that, they go to people and they make the offer, but the people don't have the money. And it, exactly. it it's prohibitive, right? So. Come, and I did that with my firm, and it worked out really well. Um, there are some challenges with that, I'm sure you uncovered. For example, you probably had to have a partnership agreement at that point that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, governed what you can and cannot do because you now have a fiduciary responsibility to, a, to another party.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you had to weigh all the headache of yep. doing this with the benefits. So what was mm-hmm. kind of your pros and cons analysis there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the the biggest pros and cons analysis was replacing Alyssa. Yeah. Like, I know, I, I think that she is absolutely capable to go out and start something of her own. Not even if it would just be a competitor. She could start any company. Yeah, She's incredible. And so knowing that she's going... She she knows her value enough that even if she loves working with me and we love, you know, everything that we're doing together, she knows that she could do something on her own. And so that was, you know, the biggest thing in the pro column is what can I do to make sure that she knows she's valued And that, you know, she's going to stick around for the long term. So that was the biggest thing. Um, I will share that I had an instance um, with an employee that was leaving who also had a guaranteed portion of profit. This was our former um, CMO. And she had asked when she was leaving, hey, can I can I buy that portion? Like I'm leaving and I know that that goes away, but I think the company is going to continue to do really well, so can I buy in and get that percentage? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that was no, because there wasn't value there to me because she wasn't remaining on. And so with Alyssa, it really was looking at, is this going to keep this person motivated and incentivized to stay with the company? and looking at you know if i knew that if we were going to sell someday i needed her in my court on that i needed it to be something that she was excited about as well and so having those incentives aligned for her on a potential sale was really really important to that as well
0: yeah what's so great about the story is that her investment in the equity she got as a result of that materialized exactly and yeah sometimes i hear unfortunately with other members where an investment's made, and you're making an investment in illiquid private Mm -hmm. company. (laughs) So everything has to go right in order for that to get liquidated and it it turn into real money, which it did in this case, which is such a great example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when private equity makes an investment in a firm like yours, they want, meaning the the new investors, want a broader uh, set of owners. They Mm -hmm. sometimes they set aside, for example, I don't know, maybe ten to twenty percent of the equity in stock options, and they want to spread ownership across instead of just you and Alyssa. Maybe you, Alyssa, and three or four others. Did that happen in this case?
1: It didn't. Um, The conversation that we did have is that they are creating a liquidity pool, Mm -hmm. a liquidity bonus pool, um, for when the that second bite of the apple, when it, the entity as a whole, because we're rolled up with a few other agencies now, sells again, they've asked me to identify a few other people in the organization that I think are other, other people that we really want to make sure are incentivized to stay, that they see that same vision, and that they would be included in that liquidity bonus pool. That though is different than equity because they would have to be remaining at the organization during that time frame for that to materialize for yeah. them.
0: Okay, I see. So they were they are aligning incentives at doing it with a liquidity bonus pool as opposed to the stock option, which sometimes happens, yeah. but I'm I'm glad to hear that they did that. You know, you mentioned something about your CMO and her mm-hmm. wanting to buy her Phantom stock, but then leave, and you had the wisdom not to do that. When I see people doing that, they create this thing called dead equity.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: dead equity is when somebody owns a piece of your firm, but they don't work there. So they're really yep. not creating any equity. And when you go to sell the firm down the road, it becomes a real problem because somebody says, okay, mm-hmm. I'm paying this amount of money for this piece of equity, but there's no, there's no one behind it. Yep. Um, did you get lucky there? Did somebody give you that advice? Have <laughs> You know, how did you know enough not to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, I think the biggest thing for me, because I respect the heck out of this this woman that asked, um, the biggest thing for me though, was also kind of creating a precedent, Mm. um, or if I said yes to that, we had other people that were involved in profit sharing that may also want to buy in. I'd have to have a really good reason to tell them no, if they were still with the company and I let someone buy in, who's not with the company. So I think that was a big case of it is thinking through, you know, doing this for one person on our leadership team, anything that has anything to do around compensation, equity, ownership. I assume that everyone else knows everyone else's business, because I think that's the only way you can make smart decisions Mm -hmm. is If I assume that if I tell her yes, she's going to go tell every single other person on the team, which she wouldn't have, but if I make that assumption, then I can make the decision through that framework of would I be willing to do this for every person that asks? And if the answer is no, then I need to be really careful about setting that precedent where with Alyssa, she was the first employee on the team I think many people probably assumed she was an owner, even when she wasn't. And so telling the team the why behind Alyssa's the only one that was given that opportunity was a very easy explanation and something that I knew I could stand behind.
0: Yeah. And and they were probably happy for. Her.
1: Absolutely. They yeah. were excited because I think, you know, they also saw that as great, Alyssa's not going anywhere and we don't want her to. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. When you weren't selling the equity to Alyssa, how did you put a price on it?
1: Yeah. So um, this is going to be, I'm going to try to tell the short version, but um, what made this even more interesting is that I started the company with two founders back in 2011, two other co-founders. One of the co-founders owned a, basically what turned into a private equity firm. It wasn't a private equity firm at the time. It was Mm -hmm kind of like an incubator. It was a very unique model. Um, and so he brought all of the money to the table. Myself and the other co-founder were the ones executing. That was in 2011. I had a very, very small percentage of the company. Mm-hmm. Over time, seeing that this other co-founder that brought the money to the table wasn't involved in operations at all. My other co-founder wanted to do something different. It seemed like the timing was right for me to buy both of them out. So I bought both of them out in 2018.
0: Hmm.
1: Alyssa bought in in 2020. So, what we were able to do is, I said, you know, I would feel comfortable giving you the same deal that I got. So, let's look at the multiple that I bought it on of EBITDA and apply that to our last trailing 12 months EBITDA Mm. and use that same multiple. So we both agreed that was a fair way to do it because it was basically the same that I bought in at as far as the multiple. um, And she thought it was a really fair deal as well.
0: Yeah. Very good. So you had the good fortune there of having precedent, you know, and you were Mm -hmm. generous enough to give her the deal that you got instead of trying to mark up her deal. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic and the proper way to handle that. So, well, listen, I could talk to you about this forever, but we're we're at our, our time limit here. I do look forward to the member Q and A, which we'll do here in a few weeks. But um, you know, the way that these collectives work is people like you deposit knowledge into the collective body of wisdom, <laughs> and we all benefit from that. And every time a smart person does that, the whole membership benefits. So, so Kelsey, I literally on behalf of the membership, your story is fantastic. It's inspirational. It's educational. And I just wanted to thank you for contributing today.
1: Absolutely. It's fun to get to talk about these things. And like I said, I've I've learned a lot. So anytime other people can learn from the things I've learned along the way, I appreciate it.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Okay. And for those that are listening, if you want to know more about this subject and and others like it, pick up a copy of the book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Pro-Serve Firm. And uh, if you're not a member and you're listening to this and and you want to meet brilliant people like Kelsey and hear these types of stories, uh, consider joining our Mastermind community, which you can find at collective54.com. Thanks again. Have a good rest of your day.